Traffic and speed management measures are crucial for ensuring the safety of all road users, including drivers, pedestrians, and cyclists. By implementing traffic calming measures, municipalities can reduce the risk of accidents and prevent injuries and fatalities on the roads. Our guest today is Dan Perry, Municipal Services and Design Engineer. Join us as we take a ride into the world of traffic and speed management and find out how you can help reduce the number and severity of accidents in our community. This conversation is part of the City of Sault Ste. Marie's brand new podcast, where each month we will be bringing in city representatives to discuss exciting initiatives the city is offering and get to know some of the city's staff that are working hard to make our community a wonderful place to live, work, and play. I am Tessa Vecchio, Corporate Communications Officer, and this is Where You Belong. Welcome, Dan, to Where You Belong, and thank you so much for being part of the City's podcast to talk about traffic safety with us. This is a topic that is of interest to so many people in our community, so we're really lucky to have you with us. In true Where You Belong podcast fashion, we usually start with a few questions to let our listeners get to know you and learn a little bit more about you. So tell me about your role and why you love what you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today, Tessa. I'm really excited to talk to you and and the listeners about traffic safety in the community. So as you mentioned earlier, I'm the Municipal Services and Design Engineer in the City's Engineering Division. So alongside my colleague, Maggie, we're responsible for facilitating land development capital construction program, drainage, and traffic engineering. So it's a pretty broad you know, range of responsibilities, but it gives us a great opportunity to make a lot of impactful decisions in our community. And that's really what I love about working for the city. I love the city of Sault Ste. Marie, born and raised here. I went away to school. That's where I met my wife, talked her into moving back home to start a family with me. What I really love about working for the city every day is I get to make impactful decisions that influence my community. That's amazing. And I think that's why we're all here is that we really have this love and affinity for our community and we really want to see and do what's best for us. Uh, Next, it's customary in our podcast to ask three rapid fire questions. So are you ready, Dan? Yeah. Okay. So the questions are, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And what are you watching? So I'm currently reading Golf is Not a Game of Perfect by Bob Rotella. It's basically helping me cope with being a terrible golfer, even though I want to be better. (laughs) What I'm listening to these days, so I have a four and a six-year-old, and a lot of what we're listening to these days in the car has been a lot of top 40, specifically Taylor Swift, which you know what, I'm okay with because it's it's quite an improvement from uh, the Wiggles and Coco Melon and stuff like that. Um, And what are we watching right now? So my wife and I, we just kind of finished a few weeks ago watching Better Call Saul, so we're kind of in that like show purgatory right now where we haven't found the next uh, show to start watching but you know if anybody has any recommendations for me we're open to it. That's exciting yeah I know the summer is always hard to find like a list of things to watch because you always want to get outside and and get doing things so I will um, yeah keep those in mind and who doesn't love Taylor Swift right so that's awesome. So your job, Dan, amongst many things involves overseeing the management of city streets And it's not as simple as roads and traffic lights, but the efficiency of the road design, how this helps to improve traffic flow and reduce congestion in some cases. 
Effective traffic and speed management create this livable community that we're in and enhances the quality of life for our residents. As an engineer, you look at the world quite differently with the numbers and data. So what is speed management and why is this so important on our streets? You know, sp- speed management is a growing concern throughout our community. We're receiving more and more speeding complaints from our residents. Even our colleagues at Police Services is advising that, you know, speeding is becoming a growing concern across Ontario. So, like, when we're looking at speed management, I like to focus on two key facts. First one is, you know, we as drivers, we're all going to make mistakes. Regardless of our skill level or training, majority of accidents are caused by some form of driver error. And the second fact that I want to talk about is vehicle speed is directly related to the severity of a collision. So I brought a few stats with me just to kind of go through talking about those severities. If a pedestrian is struck by a motor vehicle, say going 40 kilometers an hour, the risk of severe injury or death is 25%. Whereas if they're struck going 50 kilometers an hour, that risk of severe injury or death goes up to 50%. So at 50 kilometers an hour, there's a 50-50 chance that that pedestrian is either going to die or have seriously life-altering injuries associated with it. So we know that we as drivers, we're going to continue to make mistakes or result in collisions. And we also know that the faster vehicles are traveling, the lower the chance of survival in a crash. So if we can slow vehicles down when a collision does happen, the impacts are going to be less severe and the chances of survival are going to be higher. So just take it like a step further. We're continuing to encourage residents to use active modes of transportation. So we need to recognize that introducing a higher number of vulnerable road users will be on the roads and we also have to take that in consideration and keep them safe. Yeah, that's a quite an interesting figure that you bring up there in terms of speed management and chances of survival. It really is critical that we slow down on our roads. And when we talk about speed management, pedestrian safety often comes to mind. And in recent years, the city introduced a number of pedestrian crossovers, uh, different locations throughout the city. You'll see them downtown, midtown, and there's one by uh, Bellevue Park, actually. So we always get questions on how these work and what is the fine for not obeying. These pedestrian crossovers are so new in our community that It takes a whole shift in behavior for people to really understand how they work and the importance of them. So can you explain this to us in kind of layman's terms? Like when I hit the button, can I just automatically cross the road or how does that work? Yes, like let's let's start about like talking about what pedestrian crossovers are. So they're designated areas that allow pedestrians to safely cross roads where there are no traffic signals in place. So, you know, these are great tools that we use in the community to improve pedestrian routes, especially where there are long stretches of roadway without like pedestrian signals or or traffic signals, for instance. You know, the short form for pedestrian crossovers, we say PXO, you know, they're typically indicated with signs and special paint markings. and, And sometimes they're equipped with like flashing warning beacons. Basically, when motorists are approaching a pedestrian crossover, they must stop for pedestrians regardless if the beacons are flashing or not. And they can't proceed through the crossover until the pedestrian is on the other side of the road. So failure to stop for these crossovers, they're going to result in a fine of $1,000 and four demerit points. 
Yeah, and, and going back to your point, like just because the flashing beacons are going, it's a warning to tell motorists to stop. However, the pedestrians, we do recommend that they're ensuring that the vehicles are stopping before crossing as well. Yeah, it's almost about, you know, making eye contact with the driver to have that reassurance that the driver is going to stop. And to also remember that the pedestrian must cross the street entirely before the vehicle can proceed through the pedestrian crossover. So there's a few elements that need to take place there. I think it's important to note that the flashing lights give you that signal to really slow down and you know take a look at your surroundings and what's going on. And for the pedestrian to also take some accountability in terms of being cautious when they're crossing the street, making sure that the vehicle has seen the pedestrian cross and ensuring that it's safe to fully cross the street. Thank you for explaining that to us because we do get a lot of questions about how these things work and they really are important for us to help Again, you know, when we talk about reducing the speed of vehicles, slowing traffic down helps decrease the chances of having these really terrible accidents that happen. Uh, So roads, when we talk about roads, they're not just for cars and for vehicles. They serve as this like vital transportation infrastructure uh, for various modes of of transportation. It's not just for pedestrians, but we have cyclists, public transportation, emergency services. There's commercial vehicles that are using our streets, motorcycles, etc. So it's a whole slew of things that could happen. How do you manage all of these different types of infrastructure and vital transportation infrastructure? How do you plan for all the possible uses of streets and laneways? The way we travel is different for everyone. So I think the best way to look at transportation at a community level is to talk about the difference between equality and equity. So when we treat everyone equally, it means everyone's given the same opportunity. So from a transportation example, every home in the city is connected with roads. Whereas when we treat everyone equitably, it means that everyone gets the same result. For an example here, I'll kind of use myself as the example. So I live in the east end of the city and I have access to a motor vehicle. So my commute to work is pretty straightforward. I get in my vehicle in the morning and I drive to the office. I park in the parking lot and I go about my day. But if I compare my commute to someone who, for example, doesn't have access to a motor vehicle, so their mode of transportation may be riding a bicycle to work, they also have access to roads, so they have the same equal access, but those roads may not have adequate cycling infrastructure, or the cyclist doesn't feel safe or comfortable on some of the roadways, or the cycling routes that were designated for them do not provide a direct connection right to their workplace. And once they get to their workplace, is there even adequate bike storage facilities for them to park their bikes? So their commute to work is given the same opportunities. However, the results are quite a bit different. Yeah, yeah. there seems like there's like so much to think about, right? Things that we don't even realize that would affect people's uh, modes of transportation, ways that they're getting to and from different areas around town. There's so much to consider. Yeah, so like when you're looking at community transportation, I think we want to focus more on equity. So we don't necessarily want to promote one mode of transportation over another. Instead, we want to promote multiple transportation options so everyone traveling can get the same result, regardless of what mode of transportation they're choosing. 
That's great. That's that's really important for sure. In your last response there, you were talking a little bit about it, but the active transportation portion of our community, we have so many different trails and lanes that people can use to, for whatever reason. Can you talk to me a little bit more about the active transportation? Yeah, sure. We're, we're currently working on an active transportation master plan. So that's being led by our planning division. The goal of the plan is basically that our entire community will be easily accessible through all modes of transportation. So really this master plan is about closing the gaps in our active transportation network, you know, which mirrors a lot what I mentioned earlier about equitable transportation options for everyone. So really what we want is everyone in the community to have viable options for whatever mode of transportation they choose to use. And if anybody listening wants a little bit more information about the active transportation master plan process, I do have a website available here that they could follow. It's, it's publicinput.com slash moves. And, and it's a really nice interactive website that, that anybody that's interested in what we're doing at the active transportation master plan level, they can get all the information they need there. That's great. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting initiatives that uh, your department is working on. And, you know, including you mentioned the Sioux Moves and the website and all the interactivity that's related to that site specifically. Another important feature that your department is working on is our task force, the Speed Management Task Force. This has definitely been one of those hot topics in our community over the last little while. We received many concerns about this, especially as we were going through the election and the campaign trail. We saw this become sort of a top priority for a lot of our candidates for council. And even prior to that, speed management has always been a really critical concern for many residents in our community. So what is the city doing to address this? Yes, speed management's definitely a priority for both staff and council, and this is going back even to the previous council as well. There was a resolution in 2021 talking about, you know, finding ways to reduce speed across the community. So in response to that original resolution, one of the first steps we took to address these concerns was to establish the speed management task force. So the task force is made up of two city councillors and staff members from engineering, public works, corporate communications, and police service. We meet about quarterly, and our goal is to eliminate all traffic-related deaths and serious injuries in the community. You know, moving forward from there, some of the things the task force has been working on, you know, over about the year or so, has been, uh, you know, citywide speed limit review, update to the city's traffic calming policy, we created an online traffic concern form that's posted on the city's website. We created a policy on evaluating roadways for the implementation of community safety zones. And we're also recommending prioritization on capital improvements for road diets or lane reductions. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting initiatives that are coming out of that committee for sure. One of those being this online reporting system that you mentioned. So this particular approach aims to streamline the reporting process and it makes it really convenient and efficient for residents to report these traffic related issues in their own neighborhoods because they're close to that area. They recognize those traffic concerns on a regular basis and they are sort of the experts in the area that are able to relay that information back to us. So like, how's it going? How's the program going so far? It's going really well. We launched the online concern form on April 28th, so that was a Friday. 
And since then, we've had just checking now 107 submissions, which is really great in you know less than two months. You know, at, at the outset, we received a large number of submissions within the first few days, like more more through that weekend. And I think that really actually, Tess, I got to gotta give credit to you on this one. I think that was a really good, uh, you know, media campaign that you put forward and it got, got it out to the public really well. So we had a really good number of submissions there. And then, and since then, our numbers have kind of leveled out. We're getting about 10, 10 submissions a week on the concern form. Uh, we're still catching up from the initial surge uh, submissions, but our goal is to respond to all residents who provided contact information on the concern form. Yeah, and I think, you know, interactions like this, reminding people that this infrastructure exists for them to offer their feedback is important. So just reminding residents that we do still have this online traffic reporting system. If there are any concerns, please continue to send them our way. I'm just, I'm curious as you're talking about the program, what types of concerns are we getting and it's kind of the the hot spots in the area? What are the hot topics? I wonder if it's the same across the entire community? Are there certain pockets or areas that are more, you know, more talked about than others? Yeah, I'd say uh, right now our highest number of concerns, you know, percentage wise would probably be speeding complaints or requests for traffic calming. Pretty generally across the community, like there's not really any hot spots, so to speak, that we've found yet you know, pretty consistent across the community. But like what we're doing when we get concerns like that is we're performing a full traffic calming assessment based on our, you know, updated traffic calming policy. So what we're doing here is we're collecting traffic data and we're comparing it against a set of criteria to determine if traffic calming is warranted. It's important to use a data-driven approach when performing these assessments because everyone's perception of speed is different. So we're, we're talking more from like the concern form perspective. Like just for an example, like say you and I, Tessa, we're walking down the road and a truck drives by. I may feel like that truck's going 30 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Whereas like you, you might think it's only going 10 kilometers an hour under the speed limit. So unless we collect the data to verify, there's not really any way of knowing for sure. And when we're looking to like make changes on roadways or change like neighborhoods, it's really important that we're certain with that data before we move forward. Yeah, I think that's an important part, you know, like just because I think a certain area warrants a traffic light or a stop sign, it may not be the best approach based on the data that uh, sort of the experts have have gathered and this data-driven approach to decision-making is what really leads leads the change. When we do talk about this approach to decision-making, the city does have a number of policies and procedures and there are certain guidelines that you have to follow, I'm sure, as a municipal engineer, sort of determine your decision-making process. Two that particularly come to mind with the city would be the uh, community safety zone policy as well as the traffic calming policy. And these two policies really identify how to fairly evaluate the requests that we get coming through the city and sort of the installation of the measures that you would implement in order to help it, you know, calm the traffic or uh, evaluate the request in a certain way. So tell me about these two policies and why they're so important. Like, why is it so important to have these documents to guide our process? Sure. So let, let's start, you know, talking a little bit first about what community safety zones actually are. So they're, they're road sections where council deems public safety is of special concern. 
So you'll typically see those on roadways adjacent to parks, daycare centers, recreational areas, senior centers, you know, hospitals, you know, areas where, you know, there's a higher number of pedestrians in the area, for instance. So like school zones, traffic-related fines are doubled in community safety zones. And if the city does ever choose to implement it, um, they could also be used for automated speed enforcement in those locations. So in order to fairly evaluate the warrants for these or to be able to provide you know, good recommendations to council on the implementation of these community safety zones, we decided we draft the policy to kind of go through a criteria to fairly evaluate them and make sure that where we're using community safety zones are actually making the best impact in the community. And then talking a little bit more now about uh, the city's traffic calming policy. So really what we did here, we, we did have an original traffic calming policy that was, you know, maybe about 10 or 15 years old. The focus here was to broaden the criteria so we're able to effectively evaluate all roadway types and cross sections for traffic calming. So what we also did through this is we established a scoring and ranking system that's going to help staff make recommendations to council for implementations of traffic calming measures on roadways that qualify. So it's really important that we, you know, like I said, take that data-driven approach and, and focus on implementing traffic calming policy where it's warranted and where it makes the most impact in the community. Yeah, I, I really do agree with that and appreciate that insight. You know, a successful traffic calming program is one that really alters the street in such a way that motorists maybe will drive slower, exercise more caution, and that helps create this safer, more livable street and neighborhood for all users. So that's really important. Uh, when we talk about speed reduction, this is such a hot topic in our community as well. And you mentioned some of the concerns that are are being raised by our constituents. So what are we doing to make our community safe and to address these concerns? Okay, so like when we're looking at, you know, speed reduction strategies in the community, you know, there's, there's kind of three different subcategories that we can look at. You know, the first one's engineering. So that's you know, changing the roadway so it's difficult for people to speed or it's inconvenient for people to speed. So you can do that through traffic calming. We have two different kind of streams of traffic calming. We have passive traffic calming and active traffic calming. So passive traffic calming would be things like extra signage or painting lines on the road or narrowing lanes, which is basically just making the residents or the drivers aware of their speed when they're driving. Whereas active tra traffic calming kind of has two subcategories, which is your vertical deflections, which is like your speed bumps or speed humps, or your horizontal deflections, which would be like your chicanes or cur curb radius reductions at intersections. So the idea of active tra traffic calming is you're, you're kind of making it uncomfortable for the drivers to drive fast. Yeah. So that's kind of like where you're looking at designing your roadways to encourage you know, slower, slower driving. The next category of speed management in the community would be enforcement. So obviously we would rely on police services to you know, enforce the posted speed limits and ensure people are you know, not speeding in that regard. And then finally we have an education component of speed reduction so that's where you know doing a podcast like this with you tessa or having a you know a lot of information provided on our city website or doing like social media blasts or providing that extra information to the residents about the dangers of speeding in the community 
And then education at the street level as well would be, you know, providing extra signage just to remind them or, or providing those radar display boards to, so that so it brings attention to their speed. So that, you know, you look down and you're going, you know, say 15 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. So it's a nice thing just to kind of educate the, the drivers, you know, as they're going, what, you know, what they're really doing on the streets. Yeah, that's so interesting because as a driver, I don't really think about all of those uh, speed management tools, you just kind of are driving, right? But from an engineering perspective, you would see the roads in a different way. Yeah, and I think that really is a nice segue into our next point here when we talk about the summer season and the start of construction and how important it is to really break for the workers that are working on the streets. Construction season can be very frustrating for some people that are trying to get around town. Uh, but they're also required, these construction crews are required to follow these strict safety protocols and follow traffic control measures to really ensure the safety and the safety of the public. So what kind of guidance do you have for members of the public? How do we keep our workers safe uh, while people are traveling on our roads? First and foremost, I, I would just say sl slow down. Not only are speed fines doubled in construction zones, uh, we also have to remember that construction workers, they're in a vulnerable position when they're working in traffic. Like they do have some control measures in place, but you know, the construction workers are still relying on drivers to drive with caution around them. You know, some more things, watch for moving equipment, make eye contact with the operators so they know that you're there and you know they're there. Obey all signage, pay attention to changes to the path of travel. So often you'll see construction crews um, diverting traffic around their job site. So pay attention to that. You know, lastly, just be patient and expect delays. You know, I, I know I can say firsthand it is, you know, it is inconvenient. It is frustrating being stuck behind construction. You know, but an extra few minutes out of my day is a price I'm willing to pay to make sure that all workers are making it home safe and sound. And if we could all think about that when we're, you know, stopped by construction or being delayed by construction, I think that goes a long way. Yeah, I think that's a very valuable message that we need to enforce with our community, keeping that safe distance and also keeping an eye out for changes in road patterns that may happen, moving equipment, any traffic barriers that are on the streets. And it's also important to mention too that speeding fines are doubled usually in construction zones. Uh, so the fines for not following the rules of the road during a construction season or a construction area would be that much more severe. Yeah, and, and let's remember too why the construction crews are out. Like they're they're there trying to make improvements in our community. They're not there to inconvenience, you know, you and I, Tessa. They're there to make our city a better place. And I think that's something that we should consider and, and kind of um, keep in the back of our minds as well. Definitely. Well, Dan, is there anything else to add to our discussion today? You know what, I, I just, uh, for everybody listening, have a really safe summer. I, I'm looking forward to some nice weather. And you know, one thing that I, I've been told in the past and it's been a great tool for me to remember is don't use your vehicle as a time management tool. You know, just go out there, drive safely, obey the laws and have a great safe summer. I want to thank Dan Perry, Municipal Services and Design Engineer for joining us today. Where You Belong is produced by the City Clerk's Office. Make sure you check back next month for our next episode. If you are looking for more information, head to our website at suesaintmarie.ca slash podcast. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts 
And if you have a topic for future episodes, email podcast at citysm.on.ca. Until next time.